and welcome to the fourth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Bethann Freed-Cohen. Bethann is a nurse who teaches people to be home health aides. She sings with the New York City-based choruses Essential Voices USA and the Jewish People's Philharmonic Chorus, which has been singing Yiddish choral repertoire since 1922. We're going to talk today about the Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine musical, Into the Woods. Hey, Beth Ann, it is so exciting to have you back on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. You're our second guest to do three episodes. So I'm uh, just very excited to have you back. Um, but we will, so we'll get started with the get to know our guest questions. Uh, I've got some new questions for you. What's a musical you enjoy, you enjoyed showing to or sharing with somebody else? So this is actually a big thing for me. Uh, Just in general, I consume a lot of stuff. And one of my favorite things in life is sharing things I love, TV shows, uh, books, movies, and definitely musicals with people. And somewhat, you know, I guess it's so that they can enjoy it. But really, it's so that I can watch them watch it and feel like I'm watching it for the first time again. So um, I, I tend to do that a lot. And, um, you know, uh, I'm in a socially distanced film club. We've been watching movies on Zoom and I just convinced them we were, we've been doing a puppet theme. So I convinced them that we should watch Little Shop of Horrors, which is one of the greatest movie musicals, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun, especially when you're dealing with people who don't like musicals and people who say I'm not a musicals person. Again, because the movie itself is so great, it worked well for, you know, a film club because, you know, there's the music is wonderful, but there's also a lot of like special effects and cool stuff, but also just the everything about it is so solid and the songs are so catchy and with such wonderful lyrics and yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear everyone liked it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least in my head they did. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I do have another more important story about sharing musicals with people, which is it's actually the way I met my husband. Um, So Um, Michael was a a friend of my sister's and my sister had a concert with her um, wind ensemble. She's part of a Columbia Summer Winds, plug for Columbia Summer Winds, which is an awesome group. Um, And uh, they were playing that day and Michael was going to come see her play. Um, But then the concert got rained out or heated out or something 
so he came to visit us in our apartment instead because he had traveled from Brooklyn and he was uptown. Um, meanwhile, I was not going to go to her concert that day because I was having some pretty severe back problems and I had taken a lot of drugs. So Michael came and visited to visit his friend, my sister, Rebecca, and I was kind of on the couch really out of it and in a lot of pain. And uh, I don't know how it happened, but we found out that he had never seen Gypsy, which is like, if you're going to see a musical, that's one of the ones to see. And so at the time, um, we had a subscription to Broadway HD. That's the one where you can stream shows. Yeah. And they had the Bette Midler um, version of Gypsy, which is, you know, I grew up with a couple different versions, but definitely that one. And then we were done with that. And then we watched Candide, uh, the concert version with, I think, Christian Chenoweth and Patti LuPone. And Candide is another one of my favorite shows. Definitely not our first date, but that was the <laughs> first time I really met him that I remember. So what did he think yeah. of Gypsy? Oh, my God. I don't remember anything. <laughs> you were out of it. I should probably ask him. What is your favorite lyric line in musical theater? So I didn't really know about She Loves Me until, I guess, we saw it was it at the at the paley center we saw a version of it or something there is like a tv version of she loves me which is pretty good i i like it and um i i, I think i think if we watched it there or maybe they showed yeah i think it. i think they showed it as part of the evening with sheldon harnick which was the mm-hmm. first time i ever saw sheldon harnick live and he's wonderful the song she loves me is just a phenomenal song and in the song there's this line i'm freezing that's because it's cold out (laughs) which i guess outside the context of the song might not sound like much but uh within it it's just this brilliant spark of a of a line i think Um, you know, he's talking about all the weird ways that love makes you feel and how out, what an out of body experience he has. But then he's like, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling tingly. I'm feel, I don't remember what he says. I'm feeling all these ways. And all of these things are because of this feeling of love. And then he says, I'm freezing. And that has nothing to do with it. It's just because it's cold. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just it's just perfect. I think for sure. Hey, I love that line too. Um, is there a show you've gained a greater appreciation for over time? So there's a show that I gained less appreciation for, and then again more, <laughs> which is lame. <laughs> which is lame is. Um, I actually had the same trajectory with it. Yeah, which is to say, um, I was a teenager once. And at that time, the cool thing was to like Les Mis. And at the time, I got a CD, the British cast version, and I memorized it. And I know every line and 
every inflection and, and everything and, and listen to it over and over. And then uh, by the time I got toward the end of high school, I really, I really just couldn't stand it. And I really, it's so repetitive and it's so overly dramatic. And I really, really dislike some of the themes of the story. And, and, and uh, I think there's some aspects of it where, because I'm not Christian, I just can't relate to some of the narrative aspects. And then in the ensuing years, I, I've kind of reached a truce and come to appreciate it for what it is. Um, yeah, the music is repetitive. And yeah, there's some aspects of the story that I don't connect to. Although, you know, I don't know that that makes them bad aspects of the story. They're just aspects of the story I don't connect with. Um, but like, there's a certain grandeur to it and a certain emotionality to it. And uh, I, I guess I just, I just, uh, it'll never be one of my favorites, but I, I definitely have, have um, regained my respect and it's not like I uh, will run away when somebody's singing from it anymore. <laughs> Uh, what's a musical you find yourself listening to again and again? So everything I listen to, I listen to again and again. I probably do that for every musical that I love. But um, the reason we're here talking about Into the Woods is because uh, as a kid, for many years, I probably watched the PBS taping of Into the Woods I don't know. I mean, there's no way that it's any less than a hundred times. Uh, it, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I've since seen various live productions. Well, actually I should point out into the woods was the first musical I ever saw on Broadway when mm -hmm. I was six. I think I may have even talked about this on the show before when I was six, um, my grandmother for my birthday brought me to New York. My grandmother was from New York. And so this is her city that she was showing to me. And she brought me to a Broadway show and it was in the woods. And uh, it was, I mean, I don't know whether I remember it. I feel like I remember it. Because right. uh, it probably got so wrapped up with all the times I watched the recording. But I mean, I remember coming to the theater. This is not from the recording. I remember coming to the theater and there was this big leg right. <laughs> over the over the theater, a blow up leg of the of giant. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, that leads perfectly into our topic, which is, of course, Into the Woods. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, you and I were very much into the show at similar times in our lives. I also was into it uh, when I was a kid in elementary school and also watched it a lot. Maybe not as often as, maybe not like a hundred times, but I definitely watched it a lot as a kid and was very into it. It was like my favorite show at the time. Yeah. And uh, I think a theme that we're going to be talking about today is that it is a show which I don't know 
that it's necessarily for kids. Although, you know, I think maybe that has been played up a bit, but, um, and there's definitely some stuff in there that is not for kids, but in a way that definitely floated over my head. Yeah. Um, but it's a very accessible show to kids in a lot of ways and, and uh, introduced me to a lot of concepts, which are still with me. So since, you know, since my childhood, I've done a little, you know, I've studied a little bit of women and lit and stuff. And I mean, one thing to note about the fairy tales in the show is they're pretty true to the actual stories. And Hmm. it's not like, sometimes superimposed a bunch of complexity that wasn't there already. I mean, he highlighted it and, and built on it, but a lot of the things in the show that are in fact um, kind of messy and problematic are, are true to the source material. Right. I mean, with the exception, I guess, of the baker and the baker's wife that they, well, the baker and the baker's wife who I didn't realize weren't real characters until mm-hmm. years later <laughs> I just thought there was some sub- obscure uh fairy tale that no one had told me about and I was like isn't it convenient that it interacts with all these other ones so well <laughs> right what are some of those complexities that you remember as being very uh effective for you when you watched it as a kid So I think that probably the most important line, maybe the most, well, not the most important line in the show, but a a kind of a mission statement for a big part of the show is um, the the last line of um, a Little Red Riding Hood song, um, although scary is exciting, nice is different than good. And um, as a young child, the having drilled into my head nice is different than good I think really shaped a lot of my moral development Hmm. Um, and I've actually in recent years rebelled against it a little bit in saying no nice is kind of important too (laughs) like (laughs) being nice to people is is good because it makes ripples and and even if you're lying through your teeth you know saying a nice thing to a person can be very helpful but um, niceness is also a way to hide a lot of ugliness. Do not put your faith in a cape and a hood. They will not protect you the way that they should. And take extra care with strangers. Even flowers have their dangers. And though scary is exciting, nice is different than good. I think that, again, it's not like the deepest thing in the world. I hope most adults realize that nice is different than good. And I think um, it's not like the loftiest of ideas, but it's a pretty damn important one. And I mean, I guess to this day, anytime someone's talking about how nice so-and-so is, I'm like, okay, but. (laughs) But are they good? (laughs) Are they good? Right. And do you need to be, and I mean, that's also one of the main themes of the show because, you know, the, the witch like is very much not nice. Is she good or not? She's probably not very good, but <laughs> uh, it does come back to that in her, um, in her final song when she's talking about, you're so nice, you're not good, you're not bad, you're just nice. Just give me the boy. No, 
I guess she is more amoral because her line is, I'm good, not good, I'm not nice, I'm just right, which isn't great either. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it spells out these moral concepts. It's not subtle, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, especially if we are talking about a younger audience who, like, needs something that's less a little less subtle to be to to get that concept especially if we're talking about that line in the context of what little red riding hood just experienced which is well okay so let's talk about what little red riding hood just experienced (laughs) yeah uh this show definitely touches on some child molestation um and you know Again, I want to point out Sondheim didn't, or Lapine, I guess, in Sondheim didn't invent that. That is very much the text of Little Red Riding Hood, which is a story we tell to children all the time. And that's what it's about. (laughs) There's no, um, but the show does probably make it even more explicit than it it never was in any of your children's stories. Um, Yeah, it depends how you tell it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, she's just been rescued from the wolf's tummy and uh, is is describing the experience of being lured in by a very literal predator. Um, And uh, and coming out stronger on the other side, which I don't know is. I don't know if that's a great lesson either, but <laughs> I mean, there's a reason we tell the story of literal Red Riding Hood to kids because we want kids to not just assume everybody is great. Right. We shouldn't assume everyone is evil. I think um, the idea of stranger danger in this country is taken a little bit too far and kids should understand that most people are basically not horrible, but um, there are bad things in the world. Especially if, the person literally looks like a wolf. I mean that. Yeah, I mean that. That I mean the the wolf is bad. <laughs> well, I think um, so. The I mean, you, I wonder also, like with her line, "scary is exciting." Like how much, like how much she knew she was doing. I mean, she knew she was doing something wrong. You know. Yeah. So. Which- you know, just because you talk to the wrong person doesn't mean that you deserve terrible things to happen to you. But um, it's worth listening to that voice in your head. It's interesting now, you know, looking at this and then thinking also about the Baker's Wife song, which we'll talk about more in depth later. But it feels like, you know, there are these songs in the show that, you know, this we watch this event happen. But then there's, you know, then the character has this song where they go over the the moral complexity of this moment and working through it. So that's, I mean, that's what 
you know, Little Red song is here and the Baker's Wife song is later where it's like, I had this experience, like, and now I need to, now I need to talk through it <laughs> and go over everything. Which again is kind of like the point of fairy tales. So I have this whole thing of like, I mean, there are a lot of old stories that we have. And when you're talking about old stories, we tend to either call them mythology or folklore. Mm-hmm. And when it's mythology, it's kind of given this um, kind of academic um, respect. And when it's folklore, it's for kids. And um, a thing I learned in my mid- women in literature class I'm I'm not coming up with this theory is, you know, folklore is women's stuff and mythology is men's stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and if you look at the stories and the themes of the stories and all the stuff that it's in them, they're very much equivalent, Um, you know, kind of stories with morals and strong themes and, and a lot of magic and a lot of, um, I don't know there's a lot of similarities um and i think fairy tales deserve a lot more respect than what they get yeah i mean we've got a lot of great female characters in this show and just and the two i named get these amazing the two we were talking about get these amazing songs where they do we do get into their inner thoughts and their the complexities of their experiences um i mean the the men have some songs like that too i guess but yeah um but you know i feel like the men are kind of guided to the revelations by women Mm -hmm. which is a nice change (laughs) um you know i feel like jack is guided by his mother but also a lot by um the giantess and <laughs> and just the other female characters in the story and certainly the baker is guided by his wife right cinderella yeah. is a wonderful character um i actually there was an interview with sondheim or something where he talked about how as far as he knows he's the only or his this version is the only one where cinderella chooses to leave the slipper mm. which is such a beautiful thing <laughs> Um, and, and a great addition to the story, I think. Actually, now that I'm looking at the song list, um, Jack is the only male character that gets his own song, whereas everybody else is, is uh, you know, the baker never gets his own song. He has. He, he shares with his father, right? Shares with his father. He shares with his wife, um, and then he's part of quartets and stuff. The princes share their agony songs. Yeah, but the people who have Jack has his own stuff. But other than that, the people who have their their own moments are the witch, Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, the baker's wife. Um, those are the those are all the characters that get moments and like obviously you don't have to have uh your own song to really be 
a significant character. Obviously, we think of the baker as a significant character. He's significant in that in that he's the one the story is happening to, mm-hmm. so that he come out on the other side learning a bit how to be a father. Mm-hmm. And that was made much more explicit in like the um, the Shakespeare in the Park version, which I know came from um, London, I think. And also the movie where it becomes much more about the baker learning how to be a father, but, Mm -hmm. and um, we can talk more about what happens to his wife in a few minutes, but, you know, um, he, he's the main lesson learner of the show, but he's not necessarily um, the one with much agency in general or at least not the ability to use it. I was just going to say, I do think it's significant that the people who get these, these songs of this experience happened to me, and now I'm going to talk about it with you, audience, uh, are most mostly the women. Yeah, I think that is really important. And I think that that, again, is true to the original stories. Talking about agony, I mean, when we talk about some of these princess stories, the princesses are kind of characters and the princes are just these paragons with just nothing to them other than like uh, finding and saving the princess. And then I think with the song Agony, it's like, well, let's look deeper into him. (laughs) And they look deeper in and there's nothing. (laughs) Let's take that Prince Charming character and really pull it apart. And what you find out is <laughs> he 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 is just a shell. There 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 was nothing there to uncover. Just stick with your idea of Prince Charming as an imaginary person. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a great way to look at the agony songs. I love that. Agony, all the torture they teach, but says intriguing. Half so fatiguing as what's out of reach. Am I not sensitive, clever, well-mannered, considerate, passionate, charming, as kind as I'm handsome and heir to a throne? You are everything maidens could wish for. And why not? Why not? You must be mad. I know I've mentioned this before, but it, with all that, with the women characters, it really... It's so weird to me that mainly the people who die in the show are the women. It's Yeah. And I think that that's a real problem. I didn't really realize it until you, you know, when we were talking about this, you pointed it out. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so the, the, me- the men who die in this story are the wolf. <laughs> The giant. Uh, okay. Yeah. The giant and the uh the narrator. The narrator. And uh I think is that it? Wow, that is because the wolf is not exactly a man, and the narrator also isn't exactly a man. I mean he is, but he's not like a real he's not. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be male. A and B. Um, he's extra to the story. I mean, he is. 
integral to the story, but he is kind of an extra part. Mm-hmm. Women dying, you have Jack's mother. Uh, uh, spoilers, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Into the Woods, just stop. <laughs> Jack's mother, Baker's wife, Cinderella's mother is already dead. Uh, Rapunzel. Yeah, so that's already a lot right there. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah, I mean, it is. And I guess, again, there are more female characters than male characters. Mm-hmm. It, it is very much a woman's world. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. And the giants, uh, Mrs. Giant also. Mrs. Is Giant. The subject yeah. of a uh, brutal killing. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, no, a lot of the women's deaths are pretty damn brutal too. But yeah, and I guess just my question with it is like, what is it? What is it saying that like you know we have this story where we're getting into the interior lives of these women from fairy tales, and yet so many of these women die in the story. Like, what I'm not, um, and not just that they die, but that their deaths ultimately kind of serve as teaching men lessons yeah except for the rapunzel which is for uh teaching the witch but um, yeah that's true but yeah but for the most part yeah yes i mean everyone who dies dies to teach someone else lesson and again i mean i'm saying that off the top of my head i could be wrong but it kind of feels that way i mean yeah no i i think that's probably true Okay, so the baker's wife. I mean, she and the witch are are definitely the best characters in the show. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Jack and, well, no, not, Jack's fine. <laughs> but Cinderella and, um, and, uh, and Little Red Riding Hood are close third and fourth or whatever. I guess I often felt that once the once the baker's wife died and the witch left, I was a little less interested in the story in the story at the very end. Until they come back and Until sing the best song. Yeah. Because <laughs> like they are such I mean, there's just drivers of things. And then it's like, all right, now the people who are left, who, I mean, Cinderella had, you know, did stuff in the first act. She was active. But like, now here are people who we have not seen, like, able to drive things as much, suddenly have to do that. I mean, that's the point of the story, but it's it was always a little less fun. <laughs> It was made in the 80s, and this idea of, oh, my God, fathers have to raise children was still, like, a thing that was a story plot point. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Yeah. I I often forget that this, that Into the Woods was a mid to late 80s show that came at a time when, you know, we were in, you know, my hero, Susan Faludi, what she calls, you know, the backlash of the 80s. 
And there was a lot of, you know, like uh, Mr. Mom and all this, like, yeah. oh my God, men could do that? What? Three men and a baby. Like, how funny is it that men have to. Men have to change a diaper? Oh my God. <laughs> have to do this. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the fact that it's like, okay, this is a story about a man who is like, okay, I'm the only one to raise my child. And like, how that is. Yeah, how that is like a major story. Yeah. Yeah, cons- still considered remarkable. Yeah. And, um, whereas, t- well, I, I think that it's still probably remarkable for a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's obviously still an issue, but it was just like such a, a st- yeah, like a, a, a story point, as you said, in the 80s. Yeah. And yeah, I wish you know, you could tell stories about it without killing off all the women, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about in the source material, in fairy tales, every mother has to die. (laughs) That's that. I mean, that's, that's a, that's an immutable fact of, of fairy tales because I mean, or, or if the mother is a lie or if there is a mother figure, she's evil, like a stepmother. Well, yeah, um, and that's because their stories about growing up. So I think we've been dancing around it long enough. Uh, you want to talk about uh, the song that we're going to talk about? Yeah. Should we move into why is this so good? Yeah. So we are going to talk about Moments in the Woods, the Baker's Wife song, uh, Keeping with Into the Woods. So yeah, why did you pick this song for Why Is This So Good? So the real question isn't why did I pick this song for Why Is This So Good? The real question is why did I pick this song to sing as my solo in my singing lessons when I was 10 years old? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because I definitely didn't get it. (laughs) And it's interesting that even though I really didn't understand some aspect. I mean, I kind I mean, it's pretty obvious in the show that, you know, she was cheating on her husband, but I didn't really get the, the further context or anything. But again, we're talking about a song with very accessible moral themes. Um, and again, turning on a very simple phrase, um, we talked before about nice is different than good, which is a very straightforward, but a very kind of foundational thing about morality. And in the song we have, is it always, or is it never and? Her whole life has been about other people, right? It's been about having a husband and a baby and taking care of people and and she wants a minute for herself mm-hmm. was that me was that him did a prince really kiss me and kiss me and kiss me and did i kiss him back was it wrong am i mad is that all does he miss me? Was he suddenly getting bored with me? I mean, I always loved this song and sang it 
<laughs> as well. And uh, and I think also this song uses another like major metaphor, which we haven't talked about, and that is the woods and how the woods are, you know, a, is a place where certain things happen and where you grow up and where you learn these lessons. And this song, the lyric is really using that idea of the woods as like a place where, you know, like, like an actual place where this, you know, experience lives and that there's a place outside the woods where her life is. Wake up, stop dreaming, stop prancing about the woods. It's not beseeming, what is it about the woods? Back to life, back to sense, back to child, back to husband, you can't live in the woods. There are vows, there are ties, there are needs, there are standards, there are shouldn'ts and shoulds. I've heard people talk about the woods in this show as just being a flat out metaphor for sexuality. And I think that that's selling it a bit short. Mm. I mean, yes, in this song, a lot of what she's talking about in terms of the woods is sex, but I think there's a lot more to it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and certainly throughout the show, I think that journey to adulthood, I hope is about more than just sex. <laughs> um, and the journey to adulthood, the journey to complexity. Part of that journey to adulthood is that it, it comes with both all of these extra responsibilities and good stuff. And Earl, I mean, the, the responsibilities are good. I mean, she's happy to have a kid. She's happy to have a husband, right? Especially a husband who's turning into more, has been turning into more of a person, like with some complexity throughout the story. I mean, she's coming from the first act where, he like came into this just basic lesson of wait, my wife is a human being who can make decisions <laughs> and like participate in the quest to have a child. <laughs> I mean, he was coming from a pretty pathetic place and he's been improving throughout the show. She kind of started out awesome and has remained awesome this whole time. Um, and kind of having this little affair with Prince Charming um, was her first time, well, I guess she's always been a little bit bendy around morals. Um, right. But uh, I guess I take it back because she has always been a little bit bendy around morals um, from the first act and the second act. Right. Cause but always with a goal in mind and this is something that she just did for fun <laughs> and knowing that it was wrong and knowing that nothing good would come of it yeah and it's 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 like the woods and the idea of the woods is like different for each character it's not it doesn't necessarily i mean yes it's all under the umbrella of this is where we learn like lessons and we grow up and we you know it's complex here but like for each character it's like a little different and for her it's this is where I can explore the idea of the end you know doesn't have to be yeah or like this is where I can explore that and realizing that that's that it's where I can explore that why not both instead 
child for warmth and a baker for bread and a prince for whatever. She keeps working through that idea like and then after that is it always or is it never and well that's what woods are for like in that moment she's like yes that's that's what the woods are for for those moments for the end just a moment one peculiar passing moment must it all be either less or more either plain or grand is it always or is it never and that's what woods are for for those moments in the woods Oh, if life were made of moments, even now and then a bad one. But if life were only moments, then you'd never know you had one. And then, then she goes into the, you know, the non, yeah. non-pacing section of uh, the, the more lyrical section of, oh, if life were made of moments. Um but then, you know, you never know you had one like she. she Yeah. Like the only reason this is special is because it's special. Mm-hmm. You know, she has she has a real life. But she also had Wood's life. It's this line that's so beautiful. And, and um, just remembering you've had an and when you're back to or makes the or mean more than it did before. And again, probably not like the deepest thought in the world. It's something that I think most people understand. But to have it kind of just laid out in this song, it's just lovely. First a witch, then a child, then a prince, then a moment who can live in the woods. And to get what you wish only just for a moment, these are dangerous woods. Let the moment go. Don't forget it for a moment more. Just remember Makes the or mean more than it did before. Now I understand, and it's time to leave the woods. And then he kills her. <laughs> he being the writers. <laughs> the writer, yes. Lapine, I guess Lapine and, and Sondheim just. Like, oh, you've you've learned, you've grown as a person, goodbye. Right. Which is which is obviously like one of the most tragic, tragic moments of tragic deaths of of the and of the musical and, and why the Baker's wife death is like always felt like the worst. <laughs> like the worst. Yeah. I never understood how she died. She it kind of just something something happened. Yeah, well, I will read as I read, I, I will read the stage direction, which gives absolutely no clarity. Um, so it's describing, you know, she's counting her, she finishes the song. She goes back to counting her steps. And then it says, uh, she begins to go in another direction when she stops hearing the approach of the giant in the distance. The sound moves steadily towards her. In panic, she retreats. Loud noise and a and dramatic light and set change as the wife falls backwards. Blackout. That gives absolutely no indication of what of how she died at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
just like yeah it, it <laughs> i mean i guess the stage direction is leaving up leaving it up to imagination and interpretation that uh, yeah i mean i guess the other option was to have like a big squishing sound <laughs> or like, so so maybe this was better I think in the uh, original production that's on video that uh, it seems like a, a tree fell. A tree fell. Yeah. You kind of hear this kind of crashing sound. Yeah. And like there's a, a there's like a silhouette of a tree coming down. Uh, so you're but the it seems like it's left up to interpretation in the script. Which yeah, I guess it's fine, but also feels like she gets cheated of clarity around her death. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know how to feel feel about that. I mean, there there definitely from a modern eye, there are probably some issues with this show. And and definitely because throughout the show she seems like the one who most has her act together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see that she has more to learn too. Right. Right. But, and I guess my question is always when I get to the end of the song, she says, now I understand. And I'm always like, well, if you had to boil it down, then what is it you're understanding in this moment? I guess because you were going we go through all this stuff like we go through like this I uh, is it always or is it never end well I guess that's what woods are for and then I think she's saying that's what woods are for like that that um I think I think the thing she's understanding is like you can have the good times like in limited portions kind of in in whatever this woods thing is but then it's good to go back to your real life maybe that's what she's understanding yeah i don't know that's a good question actually well it comes right after just from like let the moment go don't forget it for a moment though just remembering you've had an and when you're back to or that like makes the or mean more than it did before yeah, I mean, I keep on saying that that some of these themes are a little simple, but it's it's not that simple. Um, what she understands means that it's time to leave the woods. Like it's time her business here is done. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> look, I I uh, I I've been with Prince Charming. What else is there? Right. <laughs> of here before the other shoe drops oops too late <laughs> yeah well she does say these are dangerous woods so who knows like she could be thinking like you know what what else could happen you know she well she does say who can live in the woods like i can't yeah i can't stay here i can't live here i guess it's like yeah, yeah i mean i guess it's similar to like when you have this amazing journey or trip or experience outside of your home and it's like it would be so great to live here but I can't because like actually if I lived here I would see how actually not great it is to live here yeah nowhere else does she really does anybody really want to live in these woods 
they're kind of just like they're there for a mission like they're there for I a mean, purpose in a way maybe the only people who do live in the woods and the are are the princes and who wants to be them <laughs> there's so much to decode in this lyric that i'm like i I could think about this. I and I think that's what why I keep wanting to sing it, why I keep wanting to, why I always wanted to sing it in school and voice lessons and whatever. Cause there's just so there's so much to get at in it. And it's um like I could think about it for so much longer <laughs> than we have right now to, you know, to go over it. But there's just so much there is like what is she, yeah, like we're we're inside her mind in this point, but like have we even like there's there's like another layer here that we're not even probably getting at yeah and i mean one thing about these stories is they are kind of generic on purpose mm -hmm. which means that you can fill in your own meaning of what it is in your life like what's what's the moment in the woods in your life where you know everything was perfect for a minute or imperfect for a minute or just complicated or, or less comp whatever. But, um, yeah, you know, the, these stories invite you to put yourself into what's happening. Yeah. Actually, now that I'm thinking about this, there is such a parallel and, there's such a parallel with Little Red Riding Hood in this moment. And of, of course, in the, at least in the original production, the prince and the wolf are the, the same. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's not that subtle either, but like that it's like this a very similar structure, like each strays from the path. Each has this experience that changes them. Each sings a song yeah. about uh about that experience and work and works through it in a way and comes to an understanding yet little red riding hood continues and the baker's wife does not <laughs> yeah well i mean one thing about this show is just the sheer number of storylines that are stuffed into it mm -hmm. and i think the only reason it works is because they're such familiar stories that you don't you don't have like trouble figuring out oh was is that Cinderella who did that or was that like you don't have to sit there trying to parse that but it is impressive like how many stories are interwoven and how they really do all comment on each other yeah um and and the baker and his wife do a lot to string everything together but so does the witch really mm-hmm who's a character who I don't think we're going to, but we didn't talk about enough. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does comment on little red riding hood story in a very, in a, in a way. And this is like, this is like a consensual, um, adult. Yeah. Uh, experience in the woods she is then cut off from continuing past this experience yeah and 
again, I'm now stopped short as, as to what that means, what that, what, what that means, but it's, it's part of, yeah, it's just part of the fabric of Into the Woods, I guess, and something that I will have to grapple with. <laughs> yeah. I did want to just talk briefly, because we've been talking about how we both experienced the show as children. Um, I did get to see once a children's production of Into the Woods Jr. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just the first act. <laughs> and I don't know, like, I don't really think there's, I think that that's just a different show because this show is, is its second act. Yeah. But it also does kind of work as just a first act. And if that works better for like a kid's production in high school or, or not really high school and in junior high elementary school, then I guess that's great too. Cause it's a lot better than a lot of other things that are accessible to that age group. Yeah. We go back to that accessibility, you know, feature of it. I always look at it as the first act is about going after and getting what you want. And the second act is about the consequences of having gotten what you want. And yeah. And- and I think we're all always either in one, in our lives, we're either in one situation or the other, you know, we're either going after what we want or, you know, getting what we want, or we're dealing with the consequences of that. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we're one and sometimes we're the other. And maybe it's just like kids a lot of, uh, not all, but like mostly kids, most kids have not really worked through their, or really experienced the consequences portion of that yet. Little Red Riding Hood's story and rel- revelation, revelatory song. Basically is, all happens in the first act. Yeah. Happens in the first act, whereas the baker's wife's happens in the second act. Like one interesting thing and definitely um introduced me to some aspects of narrative complexity is the evolution of the witch's lament which happens over both acts mm-hmm. and that one becomes harsher over time or, or sorry gentler over time right right she grow she goes from a character who is like abusive <laughs> possessive yep <laughs> um just like very which like i i don't really even know how i mean she softens because her her object of abuse leaves and die and then dies like i i don't really know how she softens so much <laughs> but but it that's, that's actually a good question i mean there's there is no real ex- understanding of why she's able to come back with such wisdom other than like the story's over and I yeah I think it's just like she she didn't realize how much she loved her object of abuse (laughs) we she disappears in last midnight where she's just angry at everybody and then magically comes back and is like now I am this great font of wisdom and this is how we deal with children. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I guess maybe in her case, she needed to, I don't know what she does, die, go away, whatever she did to reach some clarity about the situation. Right. Yeah, we don't know. Actually, that would be a really great spinoff. Um, the witch in isolation, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. That's the word for it. <laughs> well, I guess she gets that that second witch's lament, which is the this is the world I meant. That's her kind of working it out. Yeah. This is the world I meant. Couldn't you listen? Couldn't you stay content, safe behind walls, as I could not? Now you know what's out there in the on to something wonderful just something in the world of musical theater that we are excited about or want to give a shout out to um so i know nothing about what's happening in musical theater right now um although uh we just went to um maybe you can talk about what we did today the showcase of new musical theater that was really wonderful yeah, we went to, um, so musical theater writers, Janine McGuire and Ari uh, Simon uh, do uh, like uh, show, uh, show concerts with um, their work, but also the work of other musical theater writers. And they had an outdoor concert today that we both went to. And uh, yeah, it was great. We got to see the, you know, and hear the work of a lot of different musical theater writers. And it, it was really exciting. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, there was one piece that really stood out to me, which was from a muse, um, a new musical based on the cherry orchard, which is a, a Chekhov play. And um, the composer or lyricist wrote uh, a song um, from sung from the perspective of a child who died at age seven and it was just really gorgeous and and uh i i may have cried uh so uh i look forward to seeing that show someday in the future yeah the writer of that was uh emily gardner zuhall yeah um and it, i just thought it was really lovely um there's also a new opera coming out and i'm not necessarily in on the opera scene but um they are turning my very favorite play of all time into an opera 
uh, with libretto by the playwright, Sarah Rule. Um, the play is called Eurydice. It is, as you might guess, based on the Orpheus myth, but from the perspective of Eurydice. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's an opera. It's coming. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about that too. I, we saw that play together and I, I loved it. And I'm, I'm really interested in what an opera of it would be like. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to scene to song at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater. We'll answer your questions on our season finale. Please also email if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by taking a moment to rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at scene to song on Twitter at SceneSong, and on Facebook at scene to song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode. Music